Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Short Tales, a series of short stories written and read by me, Damien Robb. We'll get to this episode's story shortly, but first, I want you to imagine a mouse. It has red translucent eyes and fur as white as a lab coat. It sits on fresh straw behind the bars of a cage, cleaning itself, little knowing it is about to change history. That in just a few moments it is going to travel further than any other organism ever has, and that it'll do it all without taking a single step. It doesn't know that. But we do. Okay. You ready? Good. This episode's story is entitled, The Stars Were There. The stars were there the night she was born. They shined above the highway as her dad searched frantically in the trunk of the car for a picnic blanket he was sure had been floating around back there since the summer before, and her mum laughed from the backseat of the car with just a tinge of hysteria in her voice as she repeatedly said, she must be a keen one, just can't wait to meet us. The stars watched as in the field beside the highway she entered the world, red and wrinkly and perfect on the old tartan picnic blanket. They heard as she let out her first cries, which were loud and high-pitched, and her dad whispered to her mum what a great job she'd done, how proud he was, and how they'd be telling this story for years to come, and her mum just laughed and sobbed, relieved and happy. On that night, the stars were there. The stars were there when the thought first formed itself. They looked down at her as she looked back at them and thought about what she wanted to do with her life. A young age to be making that kind of decision, but then she had already proven herself not to be the usual six-year-old. It was the presence of the stars that sparked the thought, the one that would change the world. As she looked at their bright, burning bodies, it came upon her that if she stared at a single star for long enough, it would disappear, only to then reappear if she turned her gaze ever so slightly to the side. Nothing other than an optical illusion caused by the microscopic mechanisms of the eye, as she would later learn, but at six, she couldn't help but wonder where the stars went and they disappeared. The stars were there when her parents took her out to celebrate. It was a clear summer night. The family took a table outdoors, ordered food, and raised a glass to toast her many achievements. Doctorate degrees in theoretical physics and astronomy, the publishing of her first scientific paper, the existence and breaching of alternate universes, and the multitude of grants she received off the back of that paper. They clinked their glasses and sipped. The wine ran down her throat, making her feel giddy and warm. She may have been only 15, but her mum had said she was allowed the drink because it was such a special occasion, because they had so much to celebrate. Her father made a toast and they clinked glasses again. The crystalline sound waves travelled out and away from them, out towards the stars. The stars were there the day she first breached the divide. 
They hung in space, unseen behind the light of the sun and the walls of the building, as she stood, surrounded by grad students, most older than her, all dressed in gowns of white. They burned light years away as she turned on the machine. A mouse, dressed in its own coat of white, looked at her with eyes as red as a sunset and gave a twitch of its whiskers. She smiled at it, hopeful, and pressed the spacebar. The machine known colloquially throughout the lab as the WHB, or wormhole box, hummed gently as it drew in power. A lot of power. So much power that the humming turned to a drumming vibration. The mouse and his cage shook, and a little animal ran to hide. But it had nowhere to go. The machine sounded a ding, like a microwave announcing the popcorn was ready. And the mouse was gone. The machine's humming slowed, then stopped, until a charged silence filled the room. Then the scientists began to cheer. She didn't. She knew the job was only half done. The stars were there the day it all went wrong. In the years since that first breach, more mice had been sent through the WHB, which was now onto its twelfth model. Hundreds of mice had heard the hum, then the shake. Each time she'd been the one to press the spacebar, and each time they'd run to hide, and each time it had done little to keep them in this universe. Now she knew how to bring them back. The stars once more hidden behind a blanket of sunlight and atmosphere were nevertheless where they had always been as she approached the lectern. She looked out at the crowded theatre at the representatives of the government agencies and independent research organisations, all the people who had provided her with money and equipment and support over the years. She looked at the cameras, where she knew people from all over the globe watched her on their laptops and tablets and phones. She looked to her parents, smiling in the front row. She introduced herself, although there were few who didn't know her name, and told them what they were there to see. The chimp was brought out. It climbed into her arms and she laughed as it kissed her on the cheek and the world laughed with her. With gentle hands, she placed the humanoid animal into the exterior chamber of the WHB, stroked its head and wished it luck. She pressed the spacebar, and the machine began to hum. It continued to hum until it meant an error in the machine's programming. A section of code that should have contained a decimal instead contained a comma. A simple mistake, and one which caused the machine to draw in energy like a black hole drawing in gravity. The machine was well made, and did what it was commanded to do. The stars were there when the world disappeared. The stars were there when the Earth came back. One moment their rays of light passed effortlessly through the dark of the universe, the next they were rebounding back off the face of the world. For 21 days the stars had been alone, 21 days for her to rework the math, rewrite the code and use the WHB to bring them all back. At first, people hadn't believed. Then they saw that the stars were wrong. Then there had been panic. Days were shorter, nights longer, and without a moon the seas were eerily still. Energy remained, but with the satellites left behind, communication had been lost. 21 days of fear and quiet and waiting. Now they were back, and the rebuilding was already well underway. Soon they'll be reminiscing about the time the Earth had become the largest transport vessel in existence. The three weeks they'd spent in an alternate universe. A story to tell the grandkids. She looked at the stars, all in their usual places, and breathed a sigh of relief, ignorant to the fact that something had returned with them. The stars were there when the entity was first discovered. The spore, native to that other universe, had adhered itself to the ground in the middle of some rarely visited bushland in Western Australia. There it had grown, its tendrils rushing through the rich soil like a swarm of eels through water, spreading further and further. Then it sprouted. Giant strings of fungus burst from the ground for miles in every direction from where the spore had first landed. Heavy fruit quickly grew from the strings, then burst, letting out a sea of spores to be taken by the wind. The owner of the land saw the white and spindly stalks on the horizon just as the first stars were appearing in the sky. 
News vans rushed the site to be the first to capture the alien entity. They needn't have bothered. By the morning, the spores had spread and sprouted across most of the state. The stars were there when the fight began. Under their light, she watched the footage on her phone. The alien flora tearing through the country had already started appearing in other parts of the globe. She didn't need to guess where it had come from. She put out a call to the best and brightest from every field and they'd come through satellite beams and fibre-optic cables to help her form the plan of attack. She talked with them throughout the nine as the stars twinkled above. They spoke of plant physiology and structure, ecology and genetics, life cycles and distribution models. They talked and she'd listened, collating it all. Then she spoke. She told each party what she wanted them to do, where to marshal their attack, how to lay the specific type of defensive groundwork, what types of new bioweaponry to create. For herself, she got on a plane and headed to where it all started. She wanted to meet the enemy head on. The stars were there when she lost all hope. She wept under their distant light with no idea what to do next for the first time in her life. It had taken only weeks for the fungus to cripple the planet. Its feather-light spores had ridden slipstreams across oceans, finding their way to every part of the globe. At each point, the fungus had spread and sucked the land dry. Its growth rate was unheard of. It was growing still. As it grew, it destroyed. It absorbed every drop of water, every mineral, every scrap of unwary life. The native flora either shriveled away to nothing or simply smothered under the weight of the fungal growth. Herds of animals dropped dead due to starvation or dehydration. Now there were reports of the fungus making its way down to the ocean floor. She'd done everything she could think of, attacked it with every form of chemical weaponry known to man, invented new ones, tore kilometres of the hungry infestation from the ground. Then when nothing else had worked, set the country ablaze in an effort to eradicate it. Still, it grew. Its level of indestructibility would mean their destruction. She knew this now. It was only a matter of time. So, she wept. Alone, in a field, with the fungus stalks around her and the stars overhead. The stars were there when the new Earth was born. She looked up at them as she stood beside the WHB, the device drawing in life from one of the few remaining power sources. She hadn't slept for days. She'd been coding non-stop since the answer had come to her, rewriting the settings so the WHB would only transport matter from within a very specific set of parameters. The stars watched as the humming turned to shaking, and the few remaining artificial lights went out. She looked at the stars, taking them in for the very last time. The machine dinged, and a new Earth was born, green and lush and perfect. Technically, it wasn't a new Earth at all, simply an alternate one. But it was new to her, and to the rest of the previous Earth's inhabitants who she'd brought with her. Through the new starlight, she saw a flock of birds cross the sky. An insect buzzed by her ear. Good signs. They'd have to rebuild everything. Start again from nothing. But that was tomorrow's problem. For now, she fell to the ground, laughed and sobbed, relieved and happy. On that night, the stars were there. Thanks for listening to this month's short tale. I hope you enjoyed it. Now, to finish this episode off, I thought I'd give you a rundown as to how this podcast will work, as well as a bit of background on where the idea for this story came from and any challenges I face while writing it. If that feels too self-indulgent for your taste, fair enough. But if that sounds like your kind of thing, then listen on. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So... The format of short tales. I'll be releasing two episodes every month. The first will be a story written by me that I'll release at the start of every month. And the second will either be a chat with one of my writing buddies or a story from a guest writer or just any other idea that I think is cool or interesting and relates to story and writing. And I'll be releasing these second episodes on roughly the 15th of every month. Next, the story afterthoughts. Personally, I love hearing the background behind stories. I like knowing where the ideas came from, how the writers built in all the different parts, if there was anything unique about the experience of writing that story, what their process was, and just where they were in their life when they wrote it. And I think that there's a real benefit for other writers in sharing those details. So hopefully you do too. For this story, it really came alive in the redrafting, of which it needed a lot. Unsurprisingly, I started with the line, the stars were there. I didn't know the story that would build from it or the character that would end up driving it, but I had that line and I liked the sound of it, and so I went from there. Now, I tend to write fairly linearly, and so I just started with that first paragraph. That truly set the tone, as it came out more descriptive and, I suppose, poetic than how I usually write, and it also set the bar I'd have to reach for the rest of it. From there, the story came slowly, in dribs and drabs, with me usually writing one paragraph at a time. Which leads to the other unique thing for me with this story, which were the time jumps between each paragraph, and that each paragraph really stood alone within the story. Usually, I have the occasionally bad habit of wanting to fill in every minute of the character's life from the moment the story starts to when it ends, which means I include inconsequential details to sort of fill in gaps between the moments of action that actually relate to the story. A true writing crime, and something I don't usually do when screenwriting, and yet have the habit of doing when writing prose. Don't know why. So... Writing in this sort of time jump format that I used for this story really freed me of that, which was genuinely liberating and allowed me to focus on the language and structure of each paragraph, which is where the redrafting came in. Because each paragraph had to match the tone and style of the language of that first paragraph, I worked on them more than I usually would, really pushing to find the right word or series of words that would give the right rhythm while still moving the story forward. For me, All of this work to give the story a much larger scope than its 2,000-ish words would indicate. If I'd filled in every minute, I would have ended up telling this character's whole life story, which would have meant I'd written a book, which, admittedly, part of me now does want to write, as I think there's more there if we go digging for it. Which brings me to the other benefit of this format of writing a short story, in that it really gives you a nice, detailed outline of a larger story, if you wish to tell it. 
All right, those are all my thoughts. But if you have any that you'd like to share, please do. You can write to me at shorttales.podcast at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter at Midday Pajamas. Until next time, this has been Short Tales and I've been Damien Robb. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.